Welcome to the Falls Church City Public Schools Our History Matters podcast series. In March, we're focusing on women's history. We hope you enjoy these conversations between students and community members. Hello, I am Jack Rifkin, and this is Dr. Shankar, and we are here to talk to you about Dr. Shankar and what she does and why it's so important to have women who are scientists. So, Dr. Shankar, what do you do? Hi, you can call me Anusha. You don't have to keep saying I am what's called a postdoctoral fellow. So after you do your PhD very often, there's just so many people with PhDs now. We have to do some more training before we can go on to like professor positions or academic positions in universities, for example. So I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and I study hummingbirds and how they manage their energy in different environments, basically. Okay. So at, while you're a postdoctoral fellow, like what specific program is it? Where is it? And I want to know more about that. It's at the Lab of Ornithology. So all the people in this department study birds, basically. And I'm based at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. Okay. What made you interested in birds? Actually, so when I was growing up, I think I was really interested in insects and snakes and all of these, what people call creepy crawlies that that people aren't usually attracted to. But it just so happened that I started studying birds because that was a project that kind of opened up. And birds can move and they can fly and they have to store very little energy sometimes so that they can stay light in order to fly. So studying how they balance energy is really interesting to me. Yeah. So where have you gone while, as a postdoctoral fellow, where have you gone and researched? I started this position only eight months ago during the pandemic, so I haven't been anywhere. But before that, during my previous position, I was in Alaska for a year and a half. I was based in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is right in the middle of Alaska. And before that, I did my PhD at Storybrook in New York as well, on Long Island. And I did fieldwork during my PhD in Arizona and in Ecuador. Before that, I did a bachelor's and a master's degree in India, and I studied animals in India for a few years. What would you want to do after you become a postdoctoral fellow, after you finish the program? My longer term goal is to go back to India and to apply to be a professor at a university and do research and teach students in India. What specifically would you want to research there? Still research birds or insects or snakes? Whatever my students are interested in, I think there's some, I'm really interested by the questions that I'm thinking about and the animals that we study those questions in can be different. So you can ask very similar questions like how does an animal change how it uses energy in a city versus in a rural area, right? And food availability is very different in both places and the kind of habitat that's available to them is totally different. So you could study that in any species that you're interested in. Then the methods that I use that you can apply it to many different things. What drew you to becoming a postdoctoral fellow in the first place? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's when you're starting out in this kind of path and you're doing like volunteer experiences and internships, there's a lot of field work in the beginning and you get to go outside and spend time outside. But as you progress, the job really shifts. And so I do a lot of grant writing. I apply for funding to cover my work. I write papers to tell other scientists about what I found. I give talks and do science outreach to students like you. And I mentor other under like undergraduate students who are interested in this kind of work. So I think all of those things 
are interesting in different ways. But my favorite are talking to uh, stu school students and doing outreach kind of talks and writing grants. I really like thinking about what else I can do and coming up with new ideas. Yeah, you mentioned that you would want to go back to India and do research and teach people there. So why specifically do you want to go back to India, not stay in the United States? I think India is, India is my home. I, I spent so many years that it's the, the wildlife there excites me and I miss it. I think there's a lot of really well-trained ecologists and physiologists in, in the U.S. And I've learned so much from training with them. I would love to bring some physiology and ecology back to India and train students there and how to do it. I would love to keep collaborating with people here and working with people here, but to, there's so much, so little data available and so little information available on Indian wildlife in terms of their physiology and how they use energy. But I think there's a lot to contribute from. But when you're talking about going back and teaching people, what should you do teaching and not just doing research and not teaching? <clears throat> there are... I would be open to just doing research, but I think the institutes that kind of excite me the most have some elements of teaching involved in the job. That's just how universities are set up. It's really rare to just do a research position and not teach at all. Yeah. In India, what types of animals specifically would you want to research or would you want to learn more about different types of animals besides birds or do something besides energy? Um, yeah, this is like writing my application live. So I, yeah. So what I study now are hummingbirds and they use energy super quickly and they feed mostly on nectar or sugar water from plants. And in India, as in all of Asia and Africa, there's a completely different group of birds called the sunbirds, which do a very similar thing, but they're not really closely related to hummingbirds at all. So they come from a different evolutionary history, but they behave the same way in their environments as hummingbirds do in North and South America. So I'd be really interested in studying and comparing hummingbirds in North and South America with sunbirds in India. But I also, for my master's, I studied these giant birds called hornbills, which are like toucans, but in Africa and Asia. And I would love to study that whole gradient from the smallest birds in India to the largest. Yeah. So you said you're a postdoctoral fellow, but I'm sure it's not what you do with your entire life. So what do you do outside of being a postdoctoral fellow? I love salsa dancing, which has taken a hit during the pandemic because I comes with other people indoors, but I'm looking forward to going back to doing that. I love reading fiction. I recently started growing plants and I really like seeing things bloom and be alive. I will still do. I paint sometimes. I I don't know. It keeps changing. I think I'm one of those people where my hobbies keep, I keep looking for new things and doing, trying out different things. Oh. Are there any hobbies that you did when you were younger, while you were in India? I did watch a lot of insects. I think I also love taking photos and I still do, especially like with a little point and shoot camera, I would get up as close as I could to the insect and really be quiet and still and take photos of like macro photos of, of insects. And I still love doing that. There's something so exciting about watching an animal just go about its day. Yeah. What made you come to the United States to learn and not stay in India? I lived in the U.S. for a few years as a kid. And I think different countries can have like strengths in different elements of education. India is really good for school education, like elementary and high, up through to high school. But the colleges in the U.S. for PhDs are really good. And there's a lot more opportunities to study the things I was studying in the U.S. than there were in India. 
that's changing quickly. There's a lot more universities now in India who do ecology and physiology kind of stuff. But at that time, it seemed like this was, I wanted to learn more things from new sets of people and then come back with with a different like cultural and technical set of Why'd you choose the U.S.? We're very happy to have you. We love smart, talented people coming, but why'd you pick the U.S. instead of the U.K. or Australia? I applied to a few different countries. It took me uh, a couple of years to find a program, one that would take me, two that would fund me, and three that I was interested in. The U.K. and Australia have very different PhD structures than the U.S. So in the U.K. and Australia, you don't take any courses or any classes. You just do research for three years uh, and it's a very quick three or four years and that's all the funding you have you have to get it done and you don't really come up with your own project because there's so little time your professor tells you like they have money for something you work on what they want you to work on so you have to find something that really interests you and that fits for you and that you can get done in that time whereas in the U.S. it's like you take a year and a half of courses or classes and then you can keep taking classes throughout your PhD but you develop your own independent research project you have to write a proposal and defend that project and answer any questions people have about it and then do your work. And it can take six years on average sometimes to get a PhD in the U.S. So it's a lot more rigorous in some ways, uh, but also more flexible in some ways. Yeah. What do you research as a PhD student and why did you choose that? I studied how hummingbirds balance their, their energy on a daily basis. And I did this. Uh, for about a year, I did field work in Ecuador and for three or four months in Arizona. And why I did it. So hummingbirds are really interesting because they're the smallest of all birds and they have to stay light to fly. So they barely store any backup energy as fat. And so if they don't eat in a few hours, they can run out of energy. And so they have to balance the energy very carefully between like staying light to fly and having enough to stay alive. And so it's, and there's 330 different types of species of hummingbirds and they've managed to diversify all across South and North America. And so they're able to live in all these kinds of different habitats from the high elevation in the Andes, like really high up in the Andes, but it's tough for you to breathe when you go up there to the deserts in Arizona. And they're able to manage to limit all of these interesting, like different habitats, even with all of that energy stress that they're under. So I was really interested in how they use the landscape? Do they change how much energy they're spending in a day based on the food that's available around them? How do they manage to make it through the night? Because they're not feeding through the night and they have to live for eight to 15 hours all night without eating. So how do they manage to survive? If they're so stressed out, if they don't eat in a few hours during the day. And the secret is that they use like a strategy that's a very similar to hibernation at night. And that's what I was, uh, I spent a lot of time studying. Yeah. So they're, they're fascinating animals. Yeah. Why did you choose to learn about animal behavior and instead of learning about a different form of animals like cellular, cellular level and learning about like ATP and going and researching that? That's definitely possible. I think with time, you can really build all kinds of elements into your work. Now I'm going to be looking at the different genes that are expressed in hummingbirds that are in hibernation versus not. So I am looking more at what's happening inside organs, but I think what really drew me to this field was being able to watch animals. And I didn't really get into it because I liked the lab work or being inside. I liked it because I, I could be outside. And so I think there's layers that I've added to it over time. And I see the, the benefits of also understanding all the other levels. But really what pulled me in was the watching the whole animal in its natural environment. 
So you said you've been to Alaska, Arizona, Ecuador, and it's the, we've been researching animals all over the place, but what was your favorite place to be researching animals and, or, or if it was different, what was your favorite place to be in general? I think every place has, has been really interesting and different. And I, I think being open to what that place can, can teach you is really important. But I have to say that I think I feel most at home in Ecuador. The people were just so incredible and I felt so at home. And also because it can, when you're driving around in the low elevation forests in Ecuador, it feels so much like parts of India. I think it's so interesting how there's across the other side of the world, there's so many similarities in these tropical habitats. And they've there's so many different plants. The kind of leaves that they have are very similar. If you look for the different species that are occupying a certain role or niche in that habitat, you can find similar ones very often in a completely different part of the world. And yeah, I think it's where I had to learn so many new things. I had to learn how to manage people. We had a field team and we were living together 24 seven in this new place and we'd never met before. And we had to learn how to adjust to people from all kinds of different countries in a new place with, and I learned Spanish when I was, while I was living there, like I didn't take any courses before going. So it was like being thrown into a completely new scenario altogether. And I think I learned a lot. So the last question is, what is your favorite part about being a postdoctoral fellow? I think it's talking to other people about science. There's something about when you learn something new. I, I was watching your reaction to when I said some of the stuff about hummingbirds. They were just like, what? They can do that? What? They can do it? I think just learning something new about animals is so fascinating to people. What scientists do is create new knowledge where there was a gap in knowledge before. There was something that we didn't know and we find it out. It's a very long process and it's really difficult and there's a lot of failure in it, which makes it really hard. But I think it's exciting because we learn new things about the natural world. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for answering my questions, Anusha. I really hope you get to learn more about birds and more about energy. And I hope to see you soon. Bye. Yeah, perfect. Thank you.